Clubhouse. Do you love Christmas? Do you love Christmas movies? Do you wish it was Christmas time year round? Well, do we have a podcast for you? Welcome to the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. Whoa, 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 Clark. We're keeping this show family-friendly. Where's the Tylenol? Welcome to week 31 of the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. This is Caroline. Happy birthday! (laughs) I love that. I love when his little voice says that. (laughs) This is Mike. We're talking about Frosty the Snowman, 1969's CBS TV special, originally aired December 7th, 1969, based on the song by Walter Jack Rollins and Steve Nelson. Uh, Frosty the Snowman, the animated special, was a Rankin-Bass production. Uh, Arthur Rankin Jr. and Jules Bass directed it and produced it. We haven't heard Romeo Muller in a while, but this is the third time he's actually written something we've covered on this podcast, Caroline. I totally remember him from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Santa Claus is coming to town. He's He's got some specific Christmas lore that he always has to like get in there. For sure. I mean, and obviously he was a Rankin-Bass guy. Uh, so yes. this movie comes nestled in between uh, 64's Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, which was his first Rankin-Bass project. Uh, Santa Claus is coming to town was 1970. So this comes the year before that. The interesting thing about this about Frosty the Snowman versus uh, Santa Claus coming to town and Rudolph is that this was not animagic. This was not the classic Rankin-Bass stop-motion, herky-jerky animation style. This was traditional cell animated you know shade cell animated animation like traditional animation which was i'd never really thought about before doing this podcast but is very not what you come to think of when you think of rankin bass i think i i really appreciated the change though i think that for me it made it um a younger kids show for whatever reason there was like parts to it like um for whatever reason when i'm watching there was a couple things that came to mind they did more over the top antics it was less serious like there was a real Looney Tunes vibe about the the magician trying to follow like he would like bang into a tree or he would do something that was just like very like wily coyote esque or you know some sort of moment like that and then also there was like a um like a softness to it that I think also made me feel like this could be good for younger kids there is very little dark in this the the mm-hmm. villainous aspects of this are very cartoonish and don't leave you with any of the dread or i can't believe you know I mean, think of like santa claus is coming to town where they're setting stuff on fire the kids toys on fire and stuff in the square and and all that strange remember all the all the like kind of uh, nazi-esque you know um homages going on in that one that just felt like what is happening there was a lot of this movie where I, like there was a lot of kid thought in this movie the just the plot yeah. lines the dialogue it was it falls under the whimsy that kids would come up with if they were left to their own devices which i really liked about the movie uh but on the animation rankin bass didn't want to do the stop motion here because they wanted the feel of this movie and this kind of goes i think to what you were saying they wanted to to, to feel like it was a christmas card 
come to life. I feel that. Yeah, so they actually hired Paul Cooker Jr., who was a greeting, a greeting card artist. He also was an artist for Mad Magazine, which is kind of funny. Oh, uh, but Mike, that's exactly the two things I just said, where I felt like there was a real, like, like Looney Tunes feel to it, like that satire kind of silliness, that Mad Magazine is totally that. And then a greeting card, which, you know, everybody should be able to look at. There, the, I feel that mix. Paul Cooker, like, brought that. Yeah, so he was hired to do the character in the background drawings. They also wanted to do animation here because there was a lot of things like Frosty jumping around that would have been extremely difficult to do or impossible to do with stop motion animation or to do it in any kind of way that fiscally made sense to do. Also, but in a classic Rinkin Bass way, this was animated in Japan. They actually used Mushi Productions in Japan to do the animation. They also used Japanese production studios for all of their uh, stop motion animation, too. So Rankin Bass, big, big on the Japanese animation. Uh, maybe it was just the most cost effective way to get it done. But it's funny. You think of like 1950s, 1960s America, you know, everything coming with a made in the USA stamp on it. But, you know, yeah. Rankin, Rankin Bass, those crazy Canadian. <laughs> They're, uh, I think they're a Canadian, uh, are, uh, are using uh, Japanese animation studios. So the plot on this one is a little unusual, Mike. It sounds so <laughs> odd. I, it I says... included it because I read it and I was like, Caroline has to read. This is a classic one okay. sentence summary. All right. Ready? Mm-hmm. A living snowman and a little girl struggle to elude a greedy magician who is after the snowman's magic hat. Wow. That sounds bizarre <laughs> it, it, it sounds when you start a sentence with a living snowman it sounds like you're you're doing jack frost the horror movie not mm-hmm. jack frost the michael keaton joint you know it sounds like the start of a horror movie it was this one that was in rotation for you like every year big time big time me too me yeah. too and it's when i feel like they even played at school there was a sequel to this that I feel like started to get played a little bit more as we got older but my memories package Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Frosty in that eight to nine uh, television block. Uh, it was set or it would be seven to eight for you. Uh, right. You central time people. But yeah. <laughs> but man, the reassuring sweet voice of Jimmy Durante, which I mean, beautiful illustration of him, I think. I can't believe it was his final role. Mike, that makes me so sad. That makes my little heart be like, mm. Yeah, I mean, he would pass away in 1980, but this is his final film in any, this is his final role in any film or television special in 1969. Yeah, I mean, the guy was born in 1883. So even wow. in 1969, he was, he was up there in age. And yeah, he has just the most distinctive voice. And so that grandfatherly. Well, he's got the schnoz. I mean, that was his nickname. Oh. His nickname was yes. the schnoz. And, you know, I, one thing I love about when they animate these animations that Rick and Bass did was the narrators always look so much like the real person yes. and and not never more so than here do you know yes. the history of the song are you a frosty the snowman song obviously an I- iconic christmas song well i absolutely sing it when it comes on i mean if that's what you're asking but i don't know the background so the song was actually first recorded by Gene Autry and the Cass County Boys in 1950. Uh, I, I said earlier it was written by Walter Rollins and Steve Nelson, recorded for the first time in 1950. Also in 1950, though, later in the year, Jimmy Durante 
narrator of this special uh, and all over the special also records a version of Frosty the Snowman. So two classic renditions of the song, both recorded in the year the song was written in 1950. Both of them peaked at number seven on the charts, never went any higher than number seven. But I mean, I guess they did peak. Frosty the Snowman peaked on any chart, I guess is is memorable. But uh, yeah, Jimmy Durante would go on to re-record the song for this TV special 19 years later. But the original rendition is from 1950, even though he's not the first to sing it. That's pretty amazing. And I think it's fun that they actually chose to use songs as inspiration for for movies and shows. I don't feel like that happens very often anymore. No, no. But it was a whole thing, though. I mean, I yeah. feel like we've covered so many things from Irving Berlin. Uh, Irving Berlin, you know, was this movie mogul in the 40s and the 50s, as it turned out, because he he made all of these movies based on his own songs. White White Christmas, Holiday Inn, Easter Parade, you know, all, all of these kinds of songs that he turned into movies. And then you also have Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. You have Frosty the Snowman. Yeah. It, 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 what a goldmine. I feel like people need to turn to songs more these days. I, I think there should be there should be some killer TV shows based off of some Taylor Swift songs. I feel like, <laughs> That's I feel, very true. I, I feel like that is money being left on the table. <laughs> well, we have to start off with Jackie Vernon as Frosty. What do you think of Frosty? I love that voice. The voice is so comforting to me. You know, like I said, this was one of those specials I grew up with. So many lines in this live in my head and come to my brain. I, I mean, not only that, happy birthday, <laughs> but like, also, uh, uh, and we'll talk about him in a second, but you have Billy the Wolf playing Professor Hinkle. I, mm-hmm. I I have done Hinkle, Professor Hinkle, or the magician Hinkle uh, impersonations my entire life. Really? Uh, yeah, just just the the cadence, the messy, 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 or the <laughs> no fair. The the way he says fair, like uh, it's in my head, like busy, That's busy, really busy. You know, at the end. I mean, th- this is classic right here. Sorry to lose and run, but I've got to get busy writing. Busy, busy, busy. busy 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 i mean it just it lives in my brain and jackie vernon with with his kind of brooklyn uh, snowman voice you know but very gentle very kind of monotone i never really thought of him as a comedian but i actually went and looked up some of his youtube uh where you can watch some jackie vernon stand up from like the ed sullivan show Uh, i don't know if you've ever looked into him no no not much at all really droll really drab really dry like okay yeah i mean it's a whole shtick of like i don't know if you know like stephen wright to stand up where oh sure yeah everything is like and then i got run over by a car you yes, know like yes. it's like all delivered that, that kind of way which is funny because frosty the voice is there it's if you if you watch some of the ed sullivan it's like frosty the snowman is doing stand-up but it's delivered in such a flat non non life of the party kind of way it's like he saved all of his energy and channeled an entire career's worth of energy into playing frosty the snowman so how about for you is it was this a rotation for you in your house either growing oh, yeah. up or then since you've been a parent like do are have the kids grown up on watching frosty the snowman 
Yes. And this is one, like I said, that I don't think we've done any movies where we're really talking like pre-Kers could watch this. And I really honestly looking at our whole list, there's not really a lot that we've talked about that's anything like that. And this is it's just so soft and easy. And in the and even the bad guy, like you said, I mean, you're doing the Hinkle impressions and stuff like I mean, he's just not a bad guy. You know, he's just kind of funny sounding and doing antics. And Yeah. yeah, so he's not scary at all. Even I was thinking about there is no show these days that is showing really like some funny antics with cops these days but paul freeze as the traffic cop he cracks me up when when he's like sure he just he's just came alive today like he says it in this like super casual way and then he's like what you know like he has to like think about it i like actually laughed out loud when he said like oh of course i mean he just came alive today like <laughs> i don't know why it hit me as like so sweet and just so pure that's what a pre would say. They'd be like, well, no, of course. I mean, he just came alive today, you know? Like, right. they could, like, rationalize that. The the traffic cop made me laugh because it was such a stereotypical Irish-Boston cop thing, which is how cops are thought. I mean, until, until like, the last 20 years or so, this is exactly how a cop would be portrayed. You know, like, get off me, Shillelagh! What you gonna be doing going through there with your parade? You know, like, it's very kind of, you know, that, that <laughs> Irish Boston Cup thing. But it's hysterical, though. Yeah, and the way, you know, you mentioned it before, but, like, the sound effects, the Foley artists in this were going wild. The, the mm-hmm. boing and boing and, and, and yes. pops and blops and the way he, like, juggles the whistle when he, yes. like, finally comprehends it. It's hysterical. It's all, it's so much more fun and lighthearted than any of the other Rankin Basses we've done. Yes. It's it's more lighthearted than almost everything we've done. I don't know That's that we've... True. Even Charlie Brown, what my gold standard by which I judge <laughs> all Christmas specials, is really serious and, and kind of heavy in its, in its theme. This is just, let's be kids. Yeah, and just have fun. And, and the, the stakes aren't insanely high, even though they kind of are, but they're not treated that way. Like the tension doesn't ratchet up to like really like franticness and really upset kind of feeling. Like right. I wouldn't like cry if I was a kid, if I was watching this, you know? Um, whereas there was stuff in the other rank and bass stuff that legit would make me cry. For sure. And, and the stakes are high only for a kid that believes so hard like the stakes aren't high even for all kids but the stakes are high for a kid like karen who is who is full of the joy and magic and whimsy of christmas she she is the child embodiment of what christmas is about and so the stakes are high for her this idea that frosty is going to melt you know in the greenhouse or because the the red in the thermometer i never really yes. thought about the war on a thermometer like Me a red either. thermometer is is bad news yes you know yes, yes. i mean but th- so here are some of the plot lines in this movie uh, this is what i was talking about with wonderful kid thoughts we'll just take a train to the north pole and they're all just like, yeah, obviously, we'll go like take a train to the North Pole. Uh, <laughs> let's not just walk to the train station. Let's do a parade. Yeah, it's so cute. That's such a kid it's so thing. so follow the leader, yes. like fun. They you know? literally, they play leapfrog on yeah. the way to the train station. The Salvation Army band is playing along with them. I love that detail. I never even picked up as that as, as a kid. And I'm a marching band, you know, kid for sure. But I, as growing up, I never even put like the adults doing the Salvation Army Band are playing in their parade. Like, yeah. that's fantastic. Nobody uh, is taking it too seriously. No, it's all just, like, more relaxed. Karen hops on, you know, the tramp car, the, the refrigerator car, to go to the North Pole. 
And Frosty asks, well, won't your, your parents be mad? And she says, she says, no, it'll be fine as long as I'm home by supper. They're going to the North Pole. But she's yeah. like, no, nah, it'll be fine as long as I'm home by supper. My, my parents won't mind. It's all such wonderful kid thought, such yes. kid plotline, kid logic. That's the phrase I'm looking for. This movie is the embodiment of kid logic. And you, you're like the miser if, if you walk out of this 25 minutes feeling anything else less than, than kid happy. You know? I feel like a, a, a part of that whole kid logic is Hocus Pocus, the little rabbit. There's something about him that is so kid logic. Personality and everything is like children would see that and adults wouldn't see that. Of course. Of course. And and Frosty sees it, right? I mean, Frosty of is course. Frosty is the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, right? He's he's the, the, the most gentle creation you can imagine in a kid's in a kid's imagination. And Hocus Pocus is the MVP of the special. He saves all of the days that I don't know if you picked up on it, like he communicates calling in the Marines, the president of the United States, and then settles on Santa as the three people that can possibly help Frosty and Karen get out of their jam. He also communicates to the animals to have them start a campfire. Yes. That's amazing. He, he is just, he's like Thumper and all of the, the magical Disney animals all like mushed together. The little birds who like can sew and stuff. Just staying on the, the kid thought and the joy and the whimsy of, of it feels like kids wrote this movie in, in such a way. It's, it's wild to think Romeo Muller wrote this and also wrote Santa Claus is Coming to Town. And, I and feel Rudolph like they told him to ease up a little and then he created this well, one. I mean, Santa Claus is Coming to Town is the next year. So it's almost like it's almost like he had like, yeah, it's like he had like darkness building in him because this was so light and fluffy. They were like, yeah. Romeo, you can let it all out. <laughs> right, we're gonna burn the toys in the street. There's yes. gonna be a, there's gonna be a woman of questionable moral character with her eyelashes, you know, giving a lap oh, dance to do to not Santa. Make fun out of Jessica. Well, I mean, she, I mean, <laughs> she, I mean, whatever. Well, anyway, so but li- listen to this. This made me laugh. I listened to this like three times, and then I had to pull the audio because it just made me laugh every time. Root you by the way, Saskatchewan, Hudson Bay, No Alaska, the Klondike and Aurora Borealis. Gotta make a change at Nanook of the North, though. <laughs> That'll be three thousand dollars and four cents, including tax. Oh, but we don't have any money. No money. <laughs> no money. No tickets. The whole thing, the whole thing, the Nanook of the North, the three thousand dollars, and they have no money at all. Right. Three thousand dollars and four thing. cents. Yes, right. Yes. If you ask the yes. kid, come up with a dollar amount, like a crazy dollar amount. <laughs> now, if they would end it in four cents, because they would think that was funny. Yeah, the Aurora, the Aurora Borealis stop. You know, after going to Nome, Alaska, all of it. It's just so funny. I listened to it a bunch. That's Paul Fries, the guy, same guy who does the traffic cop. He actually is the voice of Santa Claus and the Ticket Man, also. So. So a really versatile voice actor there. What do you think of Karen? What is she's our heroine of this movie? What do you I feel like she's like a little Caroline, right? You would That's do everything. That's really funny that you said that. I was this is the the moment when he's carrying her kind of fireman style like kind of like in his arms, you know. She's a trooper, man. She I mean she's putting up with hypothermia in her little skirt and and not complaining. 
it's funny you said the little skirt because my brain, because this is just who I am, was like, I would look so cute in that little like Christmas outfit she's wearing. Like, I really thought that in my head, like such a little weirdo. And <laughs> this is what I was thinking. And I'm like, he's like so brave and kind to her. Like, I am, I'm having this whole thing going on in my head about Karen. Yeah. So what do you say? That's like a little Caroline. Yeah, 100%. That and the total complete innocence to the point of being like whatever you say like that super wide-eyed like yeah no I just have to like get back by supper like and it's fine like I can figure this out that was me as a little kid it's still a little part of me currently (laughs) uh I think a decent amount of you in a good way yeah I mean and and how upset she gets at the you know when he melts in the hothouse and and Santa and Santa has to come and drop some knowledge on her Uh, again drop some knowledge on her as much as the ticket man maybe laugh like listening to this kind of gave me goosebumps but again this movie we played the clip so I'm not going to play it here uh, because it's kind of a long clip but we played it as the uh, sneak peek for last week's episode coming into this one this, uh, this special starts off with Jimmy Durante telling us that there's something about the first snow at Christmas, right? And specifically if it happens on Christmas, right? Right. And and, and it's already setting, like, literally within minutes. It, it's uh, There's some, like, crazy uh, timestamp on here. There's three minutes and 40 seconds before Frosty comes to life for the first time. He doesn't have any real dialogue until six minutes and 26 seconds. Karen's first line's not delivered to 2.43 into the program. The title doesn't even appear. It doesn't even say Frosty the Snowman. The cold open goes for five minutes. But we're immediately, immediately thrust into the fact that snow and Christmas snow is magical. Talk about things that make a, a Christmas special or a Christmas movie a Christmas movie. That idea of magic and, and, and that only comes around at Christmas time. So that starts the special, but then you have this 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 knowledge drop from Santa towards the end, which really reinforces it, and I think reinforces it because it comes from Santa. Too late. Why, nonsense. I just have to stop. Karen's crying and being so upset here. I mean, it's uh, it's June Foray is doing her voice. Uh, later on, she do- she initially did all of the voices for all of the kids. They eventually switched to child voices, and actually, she was overdubbed. She remained in the credits because it they didn't change them. But it's actually not probably June Foray. It looks like it's uh, Suzanne Davidson. Mm. After the third airing of this special, Suzanne Davidson was actually the credited kid voice actor doing Karen. So we're a weird time in the 60s of how credits were done and, and apportioned. And, and she didn't get credit for years. Uh, June Foray had remained on the credits, but she was at the, the network decided that they really needed kid voice actors. Anyway, her crying here, this whole scene really, really works for me, but let's listen to it. Too late? Why, nonsense. Oh, don't cry, Karen. Frosty's not gone for good. You see, he was made out of Christmas snow, and Christmas snow can never disappear completely. (laughs) Oh, it sometimes goes away for almost a year at a time and takes the form of spring and summer rain. But you can bet your boots that when a good, jolly December wind kisses it, <laughs> it'll turn into Christmas snow all over again. Yes, but he was my friend. <laughs> Just watch. 
And then he opens the door to the hothouse and, and the Christmas snow reforms uh, Frosty outside and happy birthday! <laughs> Super poetic to say that the that the, the wind is going to kiss the, the snow and everything. Like, oh my goodness, like, Romeo did well on this one. He really did. This is the pinnacle of his work, I think. I think so, um, too. And and it's not just that it's the, it, get, it, it kisses it, but it's, you can bet your boots that it's going to happen. Yeah. I love that because, again, that's... I love the idea that magic stays that the magic of christmas snow stays with us all year yeah that's something we've not heard before no we've heard of it as like this is a specific day yeah no this is a big deal that like it turns into spring rain and then it keeps staying i mean i like that idea that it can like stick around yeah i mean there are one of the reasons circle of life is such a banger from lion king is this idea that things don't really ever end it just goes in a giant cycle and, and it's kind of the same idea here. And, and that's something a kid can understand and use as a coping mechanism. And it calms Karen down. Like, listening to Santa talk about it this way, I think, obviously, seeing seeing Frosty get reformed also it helps. It sure helps. That's a sad. Yeah, for, for, sure, for, for, <laughs> for sure helps. But I think what he's saying there, when she stops and thinks about it, at some point, you know, Christmas is going to give way to New Year's, is going to give way to Valentine's Day, it's going to give way to spring. Uh, and just as they're drinking a pint with uh, the traffic cop on, on St. Patrick's Day, you know, hopefully she's sitting there thinking, she's like, well, all this spring rain that's about to start falling, that's all just setting up for a Frosty to come back again. I think it's an incredibly sweet idea. And it's certainly something that when you have even adults, I mean, forget about, I was going to say kids, but forget about that. Even adults who kind of get, get that like, post-Christmas kind of, you know, depression of like, it's all over, you know, all the excitement's done. No, like, you know, it's just going to come in a different form throughout the year, so long as you believe. Yeah. And what more are you looking for from a Christmas movie? It's time to talk about that, Mike. Talk to me about, is this a Christmas movie? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this Frosty the Snowman can only take place, Frosty the Snowman as it is set up here can only take place at Christmas time, because you you need that Christmas snow, that magic that can make your wildest kid dreams and hopes come alive. You know, anyone can build a snowman anytime during the winter, right? You have enough snow yes. to, to form a snowman. You and your friends can get together and you can dance around it, but it's just a snowman. It takes that Christmas snow, that magical, magical frozen water for it to be frosty. And that is special. That makes that day, it makes that time of year a special, magical, joy and hopeful time of the year that you can't experience the 364 other days of the year. I totally agree with you. And this is definitely a Christmas movie. It has all the themes, has the the music that you want to hear. It has the the vibe that you want. That like happy bouncy vibe that you just want to feel. I especially think that there's like the the little parts of um of the the tradition there. That idea that 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 Christmas Snow is important. See, they told us this in the other two Rankin Bass movies. And if you remember, you and I were like, I don't know about this Christmas snow being so special. Like, what are they like referencing? This is not something that anyone's ever told us. But after this one, I'm willing to put it in my hopper that like, dude, okay, from here on, if it snows on Christmas, I'm gonna be going around being like, y'all realize this is special snow, right? This is magical, special, frosty snow. I am going to hang on to this because of this movie. Can I can I play the beginning again? Just because I think it's wonderful. (laughs) Yes, you may. Right there. <laughs> 
just they haven't even said a gosh darn word and i'm already like looking for hot chocolate and and candy canes i want cookies cookies before jimmy has said a word i want to be staring like laying under my christmas tree like a dizzy kid looking up at the lights and just kind of like losing focus as i hear this in the background it's just putting me right there at christmas time I suppose it all started with the snow. You see, it was a very special kind of snow. A snow to make the happy happy and the giddy even giddy. A snow to make a homecoming homier and natural enemies friends. Natural. For it was the first snow of the season. And as any child can tell you, there's a certain magic to the very first snow. Especially when it falls on the day before Christmas. For when the first snow is also a Christmas snow, <laughs> well, something wonderful is bound to happen. Can we also talk about the fact that Jimmy Durante or someone that sounds like him would never be cast to be the narrator of a cartoon if it was cast today? If you listen to that opening line, he says, I suppose it all started with the snow. Like, there's no SH words in any of those words, and he put in, like, a sh sound on every single one of them. They would never, ever cast someone that sounded like that, but it's so comforting. It's it's like pure comfort food listening to him open up this story and tell us about how kids know. They know, Caroline, that there's something magical about it. You just have to ask them. They will tell you they know it in their bones. I could not agree with you more. Are you ready for some fast facts, Mike? Because I, I think am. there's some fun ones for this there one. There are some fun ones, I think. Okay, so this was one that I did not realize, and I didn't really put together until we were looking at this trivia. This special begins with children going to school on Christmas Eve, which was apparently common up until the mid-60s. I did not know anything about this, and in fact, this came up when we were doing Anna and the Apocalypse, when we were like, why are they going to school and stuff? Like, remember yeah. that? And we were yeah. like, it's so close to Christmas. So I guess there is actually some basis. It came up in it came up in a Christmas story uh, just last week's episode. They're at school like up until right up until Christmas, even in the Christmas story. So I guess it was a thing. I it, yeah, super weird. But there you go. Uh, and, you know, kids nowadays get like two full weeks off for Christmas time. But yeah. uh, they were they were making you. I got to tell you, we I didn't mention- get it. Is it because you think people didn't travel or whatever? No one was going out of town for Christmas and stuff. I mean, is that why we could do this? I um, I, I think everyone was just meant to work. I think it, the idea was school was your job. And, you you know, uh, parents don't get off from their work a week before Christmas. They have to work up until Christmas. So kids have to be in school up until Christmas, I guess. I mean, that that's my feeling is I feel like I feel like educational standards have become more laxed uh, in in the last uh, 70 years than they were, say, 70 years ago. Okay. Uh, anyway, um, but, I, you know, I got to tell you, I identify with that one kid in particular who's wearing, clearly just wearing shorts, and it's Christmas <laughs> right. Eve. That is that is my vibe 100%. So. <laughs> Did you catch some of the name suggestions before Karen settles or comes up with Frosty, and that's the one they all, uh, they, the one they all adopt? Oh, gosh. Hit me up with some. Uh, Harold. Bruce. Okay. <laughs> Christopher Columbus. And, and <laughs> That's the, such a children's uh, thing. It okay. is. Well, we're going to name the snowman Christopher Columbus. But the most oddball <laughs> one is someone off screen goes oatmeal. 
Yes, but that is so cute and kiddish. Like, haven't you? I mean, I know people who have dogs who are named things like oatmeal because yes. they're like three year old named the dog. Yeah. And it's like, you just are doing that. <laughs> yeah. Very cute. I loved it. All the animals that I have are named after little children's things. Like, I mean, Maisie is named after Maisie Mouse from when Elizabeth was like four. And Winnie is from Winnie the Pooh because that's what she was into at that point. So, yeah, every it's oatmeal is not off base. <laughs> Bruce probably made me laugh the most. Yes, I, I think oatmeal made me go, oh, that poor sweet child. <laughs> uh, this is not about the special as much as it's about the song. But my fast fact is that allegedly or supposedly uh, Frosty the Snowman, the song takes place in White Plains, New York or Armonk, uh, New York, which is also in, in uh, Westchester County. You know, and Armonk even actually has a parade dedicated to Frosty annually. The, this is like my backyard. I, I live not very far from White Plains and Armonk. So that was something I never knew. It never occurred to me that it was set anywhere. It felt kind of like Springfield. It's a, it's a New York Christmas snow. So last fast fact for you. This one technically wasn't the first adaptation of Frosty the Snowman. And uh -uh. in 1950, a three minute black and white short was made by UPA. Interestingly, both productions featured a scene of the children dancing with Frosty. I kind of think that's an important part of Frosty coming to life, though, right? It's the ritual. Yeah, Yeah, it is. It's the rites and ritual of Frosty. It's how we bring him to the line. Rights and rituals, Caroline. <laughs> I don't know why we haven't launched that podcast yet, but I don't know. We y'all need sure. to t tune in to listen to me talk about rights and rituals for two hours every week. <laughs> I, I feel like we should be watching Midnight Mass, and you can get all into that. Uh, midnight Mass, but watch it during the day; otherwise, you will Ooh. not sleep. So, no, no, I can't watch it. It's too scary for me. I'm sticking with the Christmas movies. I think we need to get ready for doing our Jingle Bell ratings. I think I'm ready. Uh, but do you want to hear the clip from next week's episode before yes, we please. do that? All yes. right, kitties uh, or parents, if your kids are listening. You should cover their ears or send them out of the room for some beverage or something. Uh, this is not Frosty the Snowman, what we're going to be playing here. So, all right, you guys all done? You've, you've covered, you've given earmuffs to your children? All right, here we go. I had this crazy dream. Do we have to do dreams? I was at this fancy restaurant having lunch, and the waiter brought me my entree. It was a salad. It was Lloyd's head on a plate of spinach with his penis sticking out of his ear. And I said, I didn't order this. And the waiter said, you must try it. It's a delicacy. But don't eat the penis. It's just garnish. Mm. Wow. Lloyd, what do you think about the dream? I think she should stop telling it at dinner parties to all our friends. <laughs> oh, boy. Wow. I do not know this movie, Mike. I, I have no idea what movie this is. I, if it doesn't scream Christmas to you from that clip, I don't know what to tell you. Okay. Uh, it is 1994's The Ref, starring that chain-smoking, asshole-singing Dennis Leary. A-S-S-H-O-L-E. Everybody. This is definitely the R-rated section. Yes. <laughs> I oh figured my the kids still had their earmuffs on. That's why I could get away with that. We're, we're reaching deep into the subcockles to, I'm to bring you the riff. That this is actually Christmas. I'm. I'm like. I'm, this will be interesting. Okay. Looking forward to tear that one apart. This is on the list. This was like one of those movies, like rattling around in the back of my brain when I was compiling this list uh, many, many months ago. That made me laugh really hard when I was I was 16. I guess when this movie came out. 
it made me laugh really hard. And I remember it being around and about Christmas or, 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 or having to do with Christmas. Okay. Uh, so that's really how it's on the list. I just remember it fondly. 16 year old me remembers this fondly at 43. I don't know that it will stand up the same way. Uh, it does co-star Kevin Spacey, which okay. is problematic in 2021. Yes. But in 1994, it was not. And so we're going to uh, think of it just that way. So. Okay. All right. Well, I'm in. Okay. Are you ready to give Jingle Bell ratings or would you like me to go first? Uh, I will go first because I believe you went first last week with A Christmas Story. Well, please. Uh, I'm going to give Frosty the Snowman. All right. I'm going to give it 9.25. Okay. So I my reasoning is I don't think I like it as much as I like Home Alone as a movie, as a, as a, as a total Christmas package. And I gave Home Alone 9.5. Uh, so I'm, I'm putting this just below Home Alone and coming in at 9.25. Nine and one quarter jingle bells for me. Okay. I am going to go with nine jingle bells. And that is because we ask ourselves every time, like, is this an everybody movie? And I don't know that you're going to get like teenagers to stick around or necessarily like grandpas or whatever. So this is, I think, really good for the, the younger kids. And I think for like, maybe, you know, like, you know, when you're just having like kids, like, uh, you're maybe you're, you're kind of, decorating for christmas or something it's a nice thing to have on in the background but i don't think it's necessarily like everybody sit down our whole family and we're going to sit down and watch this movie i don't feel like that's how this one happens you know i think that you and i as kids we sat down and watched it because it came on with the other christmas specials Mm -hmm. but i don't think we would seek this 26 minute special out all by itself um so i'm gonna give it to the to the nine however i do want to like really say this one made me really happy it's the first one that i felt like little guys could not only just watch but could understand and was directed on their level including like the funny things like naming the frosty oatmeal so the whole thing adorable and i really enjoyed it one thing that we didn't uh, mention and i should have before is it, it shouldn't be so difficult to get great portrayals of santa claus in media in tv and movies and yet i feel like most of our Santa Clauses that we have come across in all of our specials that we've covered in the previous 30 weeks, most of the Santas have been either very unlikable, very gruff, very rough, very short-tempered or ill-tempered, very difficult to, to get your hands wrapped around the joy that the man is supposed to represent. I think, and, and I'm curious your opinion on the, on this, Other than Nick in Miracle on 34th Street, I think this is the best representation of Santa we have had in any of the things that we have covered so far in this 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. And that is a big part of my rating, too. I 100% agree with you, especially because I feel like he, there's no weird parts to him. And he's very, like, meaning, like, remember when, you know, we had the whole thing about how, like, dismissive, um, you know, Romeo wrote Santa with his wife and stuff, like, in the other, in other shows. And just, like, just all the awkwardness that came with Santa, all just all the, and the anger that came with him. This was not like that at all. I mean, and he was so reassuring and so certain that, like, magical things can happen. And that hits my heart so hard because. Because for me, and I know I've said this on other Christmas podcasts, my parents always made sure that Christmas was a really magical time. Not only did you get things you want, but you get things in like a surprise way where you didn't see it coming, hidden somewhere, some different something that made it feel like 
when he says don't say that like how, how does he say it what does he say mike something like that that like there's not enough time or something like that like that is mm-hmm. so my like optimistic heart like don't ever say that don't ever give up like there's always a way to make this wonderful and and that's the santa we all need <laughs> i agree with you i think teenagers and and grandpas wouldn't be down with just watching frosty the snowman but i am 43 I did not watch this with Tom. I watched it by my by myself. I watched it two times through, and I didn't need to. I had all the notes I needed to. I, I finished it. It was 25 minutes. It was a really fast 25 minutes. I put it on again just because it made me happy, which was the whole reason, again, we talked about this like a Christmas story, too. The whole reason to start this podcast was sometimes you need a little Christmas kick in the pants, a little Christmas joy in the middle of your day in the middle of the summer or the fall or the spring. And this yeah. gave it to me. It, it was like a vitamin c dose uh so vitamin c for christmas this is caroline and this is mike thanks for listening to the 52 weeks of christmas podcast if you wouldn't mind going to apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and rate review and subscribe that would be most appreciated if you could do that for this podcast and all of pod clubhouse's podcast and while you're there leave us a five-star rating or else i don't know we're going to give you a zillion lines that say i am very sorry for what i did to pod clubhouse by not giving them a five-star rating <laughs> oh you professor hinkle you Busy, busy, busy! Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open and we'd love to hear from you.